the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Welcome to the Lloyd's List Podcast. This is the final session of a mini-series uh, here at Lloyd's List Towers in London, where we have the full editorial team here. We've uh, heard from the European team, we've heard from the Asian team, and uh, I'm delighted to say I now have our two US correspondents in the room with me, Eric Watkins and Mark Fucek. Uh, welcome to the podcast, guys. Thank you very much. It's nice to have you live and in person mm-hmm. rather than over the phone. Mm-hmm. Now, Mark, you're on the East Coast over in Boston, and and Eric, you're over in uh, Los Angeles, opposite sides of the country. Very different markets, but actually some similar issues, I guess, in terms of uh, your coverage. We've been looking with the rest of the team in terms of stories that are keeping them awake at night, things they're going to be investigating and uh, and trends they're looking at. Let's start with you, Mark. Um, You've done some really interesting uh, reporting around LNG, some of the conversations we've been having this week, you know, cut across both uh, US output, uh, Asia, and obviously a lot of it going into China. What's, what's your general feeling on, on how LNG is shaping up in the US at the moment? So LNG is a big story in the Gulf where there's a lot of money flowing into the development of new export terminals. There were some shakeups with the uh, FERC board being uh, kind of out of commission with the government shutdown, but mm-hmm. it seems like it's back on track. One terminal was delayed. There Investment decision was delayed due to uh, the tariff war with China. They mm. were having trouble getting uh, offtake agreements. But it looks like they're pushing ahead. I think Driftwood, the largest one, got its environmental approval just the other day. It looks like there's going to be a lot of LNG coming out of the Gulf. Yeah. And a big story for the rest of us. Uh, you know, this isn't just a US story. This is an international one. Interesting hearing some of the conversations this week about how we're going to be covering some of that, looking at the US export story. But... You know, obviously looking at the China market, the interconnectedness of shipping is massively important. And I think it's one of the advantages of having you guys around the world, albeit not this week, you're all in London, but uh, you know, having you on the ground, Eric, you're sat there in Los Angeles. We've been hearing here in London about uh, congestion out on the West Coast, but actually you're out there. You're not so sure it's that much of a problem, are you? Well, I'm sure it's always a problem. It's always a word that's thrown around. I think congestion is, is a very commercially sensitive word. And uh, people use it to point fingers at other people. And sometimes it's fun just to actually put on the baseball cap, get in the truck and drive around the ports and see what is and what is not congested. So um, that's what I've been doing the past couple of weeks. And I'd say there's a lot of boxes there in LA and Long Beach. It doesn't look like an inefficient setup. There are some problems on individual terminals. One or two people can't get their chassis together. But on the whole, I think it's a very, very efficient operation as I see it. I've been through the rail yards, the truck yards, and of course into the terminals. So I'm, I'm sort of trying to take a balanced approach when I see stories written about the congestion, especially stories written from people who are not there. It'd be interesting to see you're, you're going to be going back uh, at the end of this week, but uh, with our, our Mr. Baker, James Baker, our, our containers editor, within with you in tow. TPM is looming. And it's always the uh, uh, the best way of sort of taking the uh, sort of litmus test of temperature of the industry uh, on the West Coast. So it'd be interesting to see what comes out of that in a, in a, in a few weeks. It's going to be very, very interesting. And uh... I'm looking forward to speaking with people, especially from Seattle and Tacoma, because they have a big decision coming up over a new tenant for their Terminal 5. And Terminal 5 is a very, very big uh, investment that they're looking at. Mm. I'm also looking forward to talking with people from Oakland. They've had a very, very interesting development there for their uh, cooler, a cooler capacity they put in. 
that gives them the, uh, an enormous export capacity. And I think they're looking at that sort of way to, to, to balance their, their production. Undercutting a lot of those themes, of course, you mentioned it, Mark, the US-China tariff war. We've charted the uh, daily news on this, and it's, it's sometimes very hard to stand back and take a, a bigger picture, look at how this is going to impact shipping. But, I mean, generally speaking, it's still on the, the unknown list for, for most of the people we're talking to. I, would that be true, I guess, guys, from your side? Yeah, I don't think anyone, even the people making the final decisions, know what's going to happen there. Yeah. It's that level of uncertainty. Obviously, we have a sort of uh, a minor issue here in London with the, the whole Brexit uncertainty, but uh, it seems less concerning than the, the, the wider permutations of what might happen with the US and, and, and China. Well, I think that the, uh, the decision, I think it was announced today or yesterday, not to uh, impose the, the further, the full 25% tariff, is it's a very interesting move. Uh, they haven't actually decided that they won't do it. They've decided that they're just suspending it pending further talks. But the question now is, how is that going to affect imports coming into the States? All of that. It seems to introduce even more uncertainty. And what about um, looking out a little bit further ahead? Any trends you uh, want to be digging around in for the next few months? Any uh, insights you can offer our listeners? Sure. So I think I'm going to be focusing on new technologies, introduction into shipping. I've written a report on port technologies. It seems to be an easier area for uptake. They're more willing to invest large amounts in new yeah. technologies. We'll see how it um, trickles down to ship owners. They, they're they a bit more reluctant, I'd say. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I'm heading out to Singapore in, uh, in a few weeks where that smart port conversation has been going on a little bit longer. It's very interesting that actually a lot of the really uh, important discussions are actually now land-based. This is about efficiency of the integrated supply chain. It's about how ports and the uh, intermodal systems are really going to be changing the way in which these decisions are being made. I'm interested in how that translates to the US because, Eric, you've been covering uh, the unions recently. Not so much enthusiasm for automation and efficiency on their side, for fairly obvious reasons, but that could still be a blocker to uh, you know this digital revolution that uh, the rest of the world really wants to see um, gain some traction. No, you're absolutely right about that. That uh, I think my, my, the people I speak to in the union are all in favor of efficiency. They want the efficiency to be human efficiency. Mm. They, they don't want to be automated, and they're very concerned about the loss of jobs. One of the issues that comes up is the fact that it's understood that they've agreed to automation, but now they seem to be disagreeing with it. And so we want to see how that works out. Yeah. Well, some big questions. Uh, I'm sure you guys will be uh, answering them with clarity imminently, and our listeners will uh, expect to hear from you shortly. But for now, thank you for joining the Lloyd's List podcast and safe travels home. Thank you very much. Thank you, Richard. Helen Kelly, Lloyd's List Europe Editor-in-Chief, was one of the first people I met when I walked into Lloyd's List Towers nearly 15 years ago. Um, but today is her last day with Lloyd's List before she heads off to passes new at Seafarers Union Nautilus International. Lloyd's List's uh, loss is the uh, shipping industry's gain, but uh, she joins me here for a, a final time on the Lloyd's List podcast before she heads off into the sunset. And... Uh, Helen, I mean, 15 years, what we've done here at Lloyd's List has, has changed remarkably over the years, but 
Of course, the industry has changed around us as well. Yeah. Give us a few thoughts in terms of how you think things have changed. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. 15 years, what a ride it has been, both in terms of the industry changes and, you know, changes that we've seen here at Lloyd's List Towers. I mean, cast your mind back to just over 10 years ago, 2008. And of course, we're just starting to see some of the the first kind of effects coming through from that uh, global economic crash which of course led to one of the longest and the deepest downturns within the uh, global maritime industry that we have he- uh, seen for some time. And this is still playing out today. I mean, uh, it's affected all parts of the industry from shipbuilding to classification, uh, P&I, um, and, and all the services around that. I mean, just look at the news that we've been hearing um, coming out of the South Korea shipbuilding industry mm. in recent months with the takeover of um, DSME by Hyundai Heavy. Those Korean yards once dominant, obviously, in, in global shipbuilding, really coming under sustained economic pressure from China, mm-hmm. which has uh, been able to undercut the rest of its competitors for many years at a time when ship owners just haven't been ordering in the same ways that they used to. So huge knock-on effect from that um, that global economic downturn. And of course, knock-on effect of that is that the lives of people within the industry have changed around it as well. I mean, you know, the small impact has been what you and I do. We've changed the nature of uh, you know media and what it is we do. We used to be a broadsheet newspaper when we first started, and now we are fully digital. That digitalization process, of course, is uh, writ large through the rest of the industry. But uh, your focus, I guess, over the years has really been the people and, and how things are affecting That's yes. pretty much what you're going to be focusing on now, of course, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's been huge change to um, seafaring uh, over the last 10 years. As less vessels have been uh, ordered and fleets have reduced, obviously there's been less need for uh, sheer volumes of crews on board, hand in hand with the growth in technologies as well. You know, we're now really talking about a move towards artificial intelligence and automated vessels Mm. on the cusp yet and certainly not in uh, ocean going longer journeys, but we're starting to see that in coastal journeys and that's going to have a knock on effect as that technology develops and so the the level of crewing that is needed on board and the skills and experience that that is needed on board the interesting changes that we've seen here on Lloyd's list I mean I walked into that office on the old street roundabout 10 years ago and I remember you know this team of eight people on the subs desk and 20 odd journalists and a fully stocked pictures desk as well we were still putting together that wonderful broadsheet newspaper that everyone so fondly remembers But then, of course, there was digital publishing came as the internet really took off. And things really changed for us. Mm. At the same time, we moved to the Berliner-style newspaper. Yes. At one stage, as we were putting more of our content online, uh, we launched the very first regulatory timeline Mm -hmm. about the same time. And one big story that I really enjoyed being involved in was the first live tweeting of uh, Secretary General's voting at the IMO, if you remember that. I remember it well. I don't think it went down particularly well with the uh, IMO's press department from memory. (laughs) No, that is true. There was one news meeting that I couldn't sit in on on that day because I had their press office ringing me angrily, uh, asking me how we were getting this information and had we got some type of journalist secreted away at the back of the IMO hall. Um, But heady days and and a very interesting change to news reporting. Well, indeed. But uh, interestingly, that uh, 
press um, transparency reform agenda still not quite done at the IMO. No. For all the uh, pace of change across the rest of the industry, the uh, IMO remains stubbornly as it was 15 years ago in many respects. Absolutely. But that was the start of the change as, as I started seeing it. As news and information was more readily available through these new means, social media, Twitter, Facebook, other forms of social, it's just uh, that much easier to gain access in untransparent or, or historically non-transparent organisations. So, and even the IMO, it hasn't changed completely, but it has certainly put some steps in place mm. uh, to be a lot more transparent. And of course... You're not stopping here. You're going on to uh, say bigger and better things, but certainly uh, different and interesting things. Give mm-hmm. us a flavour of what we can expect to hear from you next time we hear from your Lloyd's List podcast, which I very much hope we do, uh, with your Nautilus International hat on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Nautilus is in a, um, a state of transition at the moment. It's coming to the end of its five-year campaigning cycle. Um, So it will be having its general uh, meeting in the next couple of months where it will be looking to set that next five-year strategy. Things that it has been very heavily involved in over the past five years is seafarer criminalisation and abandonment cases. And it will be certainly looking to further support its membership with that new strategy in the years to come. So we will be maintaining the Telegraph. I know that's a much-valued monthly publication. And I'll be looking to do a lot more online news, more multimedia, my podcast of my own. You might have some competition mm-hmm. and maybe even some videos. So a lot to watch out for. Well, we wish you all the best and uh, hope to hear from you very soon. Helen thank Kelly, thank you very much. Thank you.